Hello and welcome to the FEZ Show. I am your host, Jack George Maynard, and it is the 5th of June 2020. And today we will be reviewing the film and we go green and looking at the grand final of the Race at Home Challenge. With me today is William Dodds and Jack Pickering. Morning, boys. Good morning, Jack. Oh, welcome. Obviously, we've both had a chance now, well, all three of us, I should say, we've all three of us had a chance to watch the film. So before we go into a, a more detailed review, what was your over, like, arching thoughts about the film? Uh, first, Jack, I'll go to you. Well, yeah, I I absolutely loved this film. I thought it was uh, I thought it was one of the best documentaries in terms of racing that I've watched. Um, I actually much prefer this over the uh, Formula One Netflix series Drive to Survive. I felt uh, what could uh, what, one of the things that detracts me from Drive to Survive is the amount of fake commentary lines. There are so many fake commentary lines that they get Nichols and Ben Edwards to re- to re-record um for for the series whereas in formula in in as we go green i i just abs- uh, there was there wasn't that many at all but i also uh, i also absolutely loved it the uh, uh the start of uh the start of the film it felt very kind of blockbuster with the whole what's happened to the lights the lights aren't working properly and uh and so yeah i absolutely loved that bit also um also, it felt very, and I know it's I know it's Leonardo DiCaprio, but it felt very um, Wolf of Wall Street, into, especially when they were introducing all the drivers in uh, in uh, in the way that they did. But yeah, I think that they presented the drivers really well, and I think that they sh- showed that Formula E is actually really really good, which is what it is. Yeah. So you're obviously you're sporting a new microphone. Um... Yes, no. yes, I'm having to hold it up like this as well. I don't have a stand yet, so I've I've, I've nicked this off my brother. So thanks Finger, to Jake fingers, for that. Fingers crossed that you sound better. You do sound better as well from through my ears. So hopefully, um, the audience is getting that. But Will, what was your thoughts? Obviously, um, first big Formula E film. Yeah, I have to agree with Picker. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that yeah, it was it was obviously beautifully made. Um, I can understand that there has been some criticism of it as just kind of a pure film, if you don't think about it from a kind of Formula E context. But I think from a Formula E context, it was, it was really good. Um, it has a really um, kind of detailed look into the kind of character and behaviour and backstory of kind of some of the biggest drivers and biggest names in the sport. Um, I think as, you know, I've only watched kind of NASCAR as the only live racing I've watched in about three, four months. So just kind of getting that hit of uh, Formula E again was really exciting. And yeah, I think um, the way that they went about kind of looking at the drivers and uh, looking at their backstories was really great. Um, I think it was a very good advert for Formula E, showing the kind of like, excitement and the drama that comes with all the races. Um, I think that, you know, perhaps they maybe needed longer than an hour and a half to kind of really dig into maybe all the issues that they wanted to dig into. Uh, you know, because you've got the the rivalry aspect, you've got the general kind of selling Formula E as a sport um, aspect, but then you've also, of course, got the uh, climate change and uh, kind of environmental awareness aspect that I think they wanted to do a bit on. But uh, I think that was probably the weakest part of the film. But in general, yeah, I really loved it. See, and we're calling this a review of Van Wego Green, but to be honest with you, like I know when this goes out. It's global releases on the 8th of June. So there are potential people who haven't seen it around the world yet. And I understand that. But to be honest with you, I don't think there's that many spoilers in it. 
honestly. So I think you could probably listen to this and sort of get away with watching it and sort of maybe this would actually help understand the film and maybe help forge your opinion on the film. Because obviously we're all, you know, formerly journalists, we're all formerly fans at the same time. And I think we're all going to be biased towards liking it. And honestly, I did as well. But I was trying to, when I watched it, I was trying to have that, you know, that analytical, that critique eye. And I think there were some things that obviously, you know, there's been reviews of this film out for ages because obviously it premiered this time about last year. So people have seen it, people have written reviews and people have said, you know, it's, people said it's good, people said it's hit and miss. And after watching it and being a bit more critical about it, I can understand maybe some of those critiques, which we'll get onto in a second. But what I want to talk to you about really at the beginning, Jack, is Alejandro Gag. Because I've had the privilege to speak to Alejandro Gag. And in this film, I have a feeling he's portrayed as this big, powerful figure. And, you know, this guy who's invented Formula E, made Formula E out of his bare hands. You know, the first image, basically, of him talking with him with a cigar, he just looks like a Bernie Eccleston-type character, which I find really interesting because Alejandro Gag is probably the most humble guy you'll ever meet. He's very easy to talk to. He'll give you all the time in the world. Um, and he's a, such a great guy. But I found it really interesting in that film. You know, he had that sort of... He was the one promoting climate change, but he also had this sort of evil demeanor about him. Yes, definitely the start where he was just there lighting up the cigar on on uh, on the sofa did have that kind of Bond villain esque kind of thing. And uh, and yeah, I, I think uh, I think the whole film, in terms of Alejandro Gat, it showed both it it showed both his um, it showed both sides of him. It showed this like all all seeing all-knowing um head of formula e but also showed like what uh, what uh how he had to like jump through hoops uh, during his political career and how he had to decide between his career or or his wife and 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 and, and many other things like that and and i i think a gag was actually really portrayed quite well because you saw both sides of him uh and and uh and you showed uh, and it showed how much that this series actually meant to him overall yeah i'd I'd agree like honestly will like he did come across as this powerful figure but in that there is a scene in the film where he sort of you know he meets his wife he talks about his political career and how you know his his wife was basically the daughter to his boss who was the spanish prime minister or the president at the time uh and you saw that more you know he's portrayed as this powerful figure but in that moment you know he's not very powerful so that's the interesting thing like that came out for me is obviously a gag he's portrayed as this powerful figure at the beginning of the film you know but then he's obviously that soft side that we just talked about and I thought that was interesting because in that moment he wasn't powerful at all like you know he, we saw that more humble that more soft side to a gag which we probably see more often than not yeah, I think it's difficult because I can understand the appeal of wanting to come across as this kind of Bernie Eccleston type character, even though from what I kind of understand and have seen in the past, that's not necessarily um, what he is. I think he he's, his passion for Formula E, though, was something that was super evident. Um, you know, he's, he's mentioned that, you know, he's very much a racer at heart and this is, you know, he worked in Formula One. He He's obviously kind of incredibly proud of what he's managed to put together. I think what was clear is perhaps that in terms of doing something environmentally friendly, I don't know if that was 
his primary motivation. I think it looked like you know, his motivation was financial and putting on a racing series. I think that that is kind of just a happy coincidence. Um, I think that I would have liked to see someone potentially who cares more about the kind of environmental side of things talk more about that because I don't think he necessarily covered that part of the kind of purpose formulary very well. But I think in terms of his passion for for racing, his passion for kind of creating this series that can actually rival Formula One in terms of drama, in terms of storylines, in terms of action, I think that was really evident. That's a really good point in terms of, you know, how a gag was portrayed. Because from season one, right? From season one, a gag was this environmentally friendly guy, cared about the environment. First couple of interviews was all about, we need to make changes. This is the series to make change it did come across in that film that, you know, as you said, like he wanted to make a blue racing series and it's looked like he, you know, it makes, yes, it makes money, but, and we're also helping the environment. So it's like win-win, right? That's how it sort of came across Jack in, in the film. Whereas I don't think a gag is that person. That's what I mean by being portrayed as this powerful figure in this film which i don't think gag is this powerful figure he is a powerful figure don't get me wrong but he's not this evil powerful figure i think i found it odd that he's portrayed in the light which you know might make people think ah is he the guy for formula e when to be honest with you if there's one man that can actually have made formula e the success it is i don't think there's another man on this planet that probably could have done what alejandro gag has done no, I, I um, uh, I completely agree there. I think, I think what Alejandro has done, uh, has done with this sport is absolutely phenomenal. Um, there was one line that I do remember from the film, and I think he said something along the lines of, "I am a racing guy, but I also like, uh, I, I also know something about something about climate change." I can't quote him word for word. I, I just uh, basically what I did is I slept before and then woke up for the film, then went back to sleep after. Um, so it was, it was in that period. So I, I loved the film, but, you know, I wasn't going to stay up till 2 o'clock because I'm a little bit sleep-deprived. So, yeah, but no, he said something like that. And so it, it, it was clear that he wanted to focus more on the whole uh, racing side, but he also wanted to make this... The, this environmentally friendly thing and so yeah yeah it was obviously a midnight release on the uk is probably not the best viewing time so fair no. play i recorded it and watched it the following morning because i was like, i'm not i'm not watching it at midnight and staying up to two o'clock in the morning um I'll, i when you when you have the beauty of the record button um but i want to move on to the drivers and obviously at the beginning of the film it was more lotter of Vern and I'm really was intrigued and interested by this will in terms of their relationship. Their relationship has always been something that's been, you know, quite good and been positive formulary, but I didn't realize that it started as quick as the first race they were together in Hong Kong. Yeah. I think, I think the, the way that this, the, uh, the film looked at some of the key personalities in terms of the drivers was, was brilliant. Actually. Um, I think that's probably the, the strongest point about it. Um, in terms of the kind of Vern and, and Bird rivalry, um, I think that, and I saw uh, a kind of review referencing this, and there's something that Hazel Southwell referenced in the film as well, is that a big part of Formula E is kind of the idea of kind of redemption. And I think that that kind of was a really strong theme throughout the film. So you look, look at Sam Bird, who is part of 
the building blocks of this kind of all-conquering Mercedes Formula One team, but never kind of quite gets the chance, you know. And then you have John Ravern, who, you know, he's part of this Red Bull Academy. And, you know, if he was part of that now, I'm sure that he'd be probably in a Red Bull right now, but he just happened to be coming through at the same time as Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Danny Ricciardo and Carlos Sainz. So, you know, I can see that the way Verne left Formula One was very difficult for him in the sense that, you know, he's performed pretty well for his three years in the sport, but got a bit unlucky due to kind of circumstances. They referenced the fact that he was forced to lose a huge amount of weight just to kind of fit in the car because he's, I think, kind of maybe a slightly taller guy than some of the other competitors. And then the same with Bird in terms of just, you know, being so close, but not never actually quite getting that chance because, you know, he's going up against the likes of Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher for, for that seat at Mercedes. So I think that the idea of redemption, the idea of Formula E kind of giving other people a chance was was really good. And I think Bird and... and and then because of what kind of been before with their Formula One careers, obviously come into Formula E with a bit of chip on their shoulder. You know, they're like, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? When I, when I, you know, was so close to kind of being in the pinnacle of those sport before. But I think the way that they both kind of grow and you see that their kind of competitive edge is in no way dulled by the fact that they're kind of going into Formula E. And that's actually affecting their relationship as, as it builds. And I think the the way that that kind of gets to the climax, which is them kind of like almost not reconciling, but, it shows that kind of there is still some mutual respect between them because they're two excellent drivers. Uh, I think that, that whole thing was, was really well done. And obviously the fact that it mentions the end that Vern had an offer to go back to Formula One, but yeah, he, he, he turned it down to stay in Formula E. I think it that through the eyes of those two is a really good kind of, um, it's a really good parallel between just like the growth and acceptance and uh, increased kind of legitimacy of Formula E and I think those two are really good people to focus on for that. Yeah, Vern was definitely the main character in the story and it was really interesting Jack to to see him open up mentally you know about the mental issues that he had in in 2014 uh, that he had obviously losing Formula One, losing Jules Bianchi and then you know transitioning that and saying that even though it was season two, season three he still probably wasn't in the right place mentally and said that he had a lot of quite mental I'm no I wouldn't say they were mental health issues because that's I think a different subject but like but he said he like he was struggling mentally yeah no one of the uh, one of the big things that I will take away from this film is that they did actually show the crash from Suzuka 2014 where Jules Bianchi tragically lost his life I've only watched that video twice before because uh, that 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 is a tough video for me to watch. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for a lot of the people a year ago at Cannes uh, to uh, Festival de Cannes uh, to see that in there. I know that in the Canal Sport um, premiere, which was a couple of weeks ago, they did not show the crash, and so I'm not uh, I'm not sure whether i'm not sure why the reasoning was that they well i i can see the reason why they didn't show the crash but i uh i'm i'm not sure why channel 4 um uh left left that in i'm not sure if they were just unaware because it was a midnight premiere but no that is something that has that i know and i've seen on twitter quite a lot the last couple of days uh the fact that that uh instant was involved in in the film uh, Lots of people weren't so happy about that, um, but no. In terms of um, in terms of Vern, I mean, yes, the Vern Lotterer, um, uh, Hong Kong, where they 
where they messed around with the cameras by running in and out so the cameras couldn't find them. I found that so hilarious. Um, and uh, but uh, but also yeah, and it really was a it really was a show about Vern because it took them to the final race and and season four the only season where the title fight hasn't gone to the Sunday of the final weekend. It would it it would it's the only time that that's ever happened that Vern wrapped it up on the uh, on the Saturday. And so yeah, it 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 was yeah he was by far and away the main character, but all but all the other drivers they they played a very very important part of the film. Like there's there's a lot. There's, in terms of to my sort of first sort of mini gripe about the film is Vern was shown and and you really wanted he had such good character development. He came across as this arrogant guy must win, you know. As I said, I've just come off the back of watching The Last Dance, which you can't really compare to this film. You can't, because that's a documentary series and this that's a film. But, you know, I was really intrigued about Jean-Eric Vance. And I suppose most sports people are very much like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance for people who have seen it. Um, but, you know, he portrays himself, like, I must win at all costs. I will do whatever, even if I have to take it into my own hands. And Jean-Eric Vance was very similar. Um, you know, he must win. He doesn't want to finish second. He feels like he deserves everything that came to him, like it was his right at the beginning of the film to be in Formula One and, and being dropped from Formula One wasn't right. That wasn't the right thing to have happened to him. And that carried that carried weight. And I feel like in this story, there's parts where, you know, he's being filmed and the, uh, the questioning, like the people behind the camera, I thought asked really poor questions. like they you know wasn't sure about who Jules Bianchi was I don't know if that was on purpose for example like was he your teammate you know who like who like basically nothing about Jules Bianchi and asking John Eric Verne that and I would have liked I think in this film to have a part where they would have cut to John Eric Verne like a different time so they caught his natural reaction there which was great you know you see this you see that these people are human will but I think what I would have liked, especially to develop that just a little bit more, because I feel like, okay, he's walked away from the screen. His manager has spoken and explained the story. Van doesn't really explain the story when it comes back um, because of that emotion. I would have liked maybe something to continue that side of it where he's just sitting in a chair, you know, explaining the story when he's sort of ready to explain the story, if that makes sense. And then giving us more of a more of a reason to really connect with him because you felt sad for him. Like, I think we all felt sad for Jeff, but you wanted to have that compassion and to understand a bit more. And I don't think we got that. Yeah. Um, I guess this is the kind of difficulty with it's an hour and a half movie compared to, uh, you know, an eight part series or a 10 part series as, uh, as is the case of drive five. Um, they are just a bit more limited on time. And, I think that could have done well as as kind of like a, maybe a five part series. I think there's definitely more to dig in, but I can also understand why they want it kind of packaged as this as this kind of like hour and a half film. Um, I would have liked to see more of that. I think there's also some more stuff that could have been kind of done on PK Junior. Um, they very didn't really mention the fact that he was a champion in Formula E in the first series. Um, you know, they didn't really go in. You know, he says this kind of throwaway comment about, you know, I begged my dad to come towards the finale and he didn't. And I think that's a really sad kind of moving, really human moment of the film. And maybe 
there could have been more about that. Um, you know, maybe they could have interviewed Nelson Piquet Sr. and kind of asked his opinion on it. Maybe he doesn't think Formula E is, you know, we don't know. But I think that I would have liked to see a little bit more of that, but I can also understand why they wanted to kind of keep it to that, keep it to a film, not make it kind of turn it into a series. Because, I, you know, maybe they're in the process of making it, there was more there than perhaps they expected. They didn't expect to see all these kind of really complex characters with different things going on in their life. And that's kind of potentially why they ended up in Formula E. That's a, like, I don't know if sports and, and the way media is consumed now is documentary sport movie the thing of the past because there were so many stories, Jack, that could have really been, if we gave it the 50 minutes of a Last Dance episode, for example, there were so many stories. The PK thing is brilliant to bring up. I remember, I couldn't believe that. Like, Dad, I've got the chance to win this title. I'm not interested, son. Like, wow. Absolute wow. And to dig into that story, to then maybe, as Will says, to interview PK Senior and show. Imagine they did that in The Last Dance where, the, you know, someone would say something and then they'd show Michael Jordan or they'd show someone this is what they said. And then to show maybe what PK Senior said to in that part to Nelson, that would have been amazing to, to have found out. And I suppose, you know, is sport documentaries, are we looking down that if you're going to do a sport documentary, if Formula E's going to do this again in the future, because I reckon they will, like there's bound to be some sort of rivalry. There's bound to be something that will be documentary series again. Like, would that be, a, would it be great to just have like a documentary series where we really do go into depth with the characters? Because I feel like that was what was missing from the film. I feel like it was trying to do three things at once. It was trying to promote Formula E, which it did. It was trying to promote climate change, which it did. It was trying to promote the drivers, which it did. But trying to do all three at the same time, you're like, ah, I can see why some people got lost. So honestly, I think it would have been great to really dig into the characters and maybe make the film just about the characters and leave this promotion to Formula E. Let the drivers themselves promote Formula E just from what they're saying. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, I see where you're coming from with that. I, uh, I mean, the, cl- the the climate change really was like a side story to it. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, yes, climate change is bad. We all know that. It's common sense. But so, so, so from that, you don't necessarily need to have it in. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to have it in there more. So. I think the whole promoting formula e, promoting formula e I think that also works with the so, so they, they they all overlap and they all overlapped quite well but the but the big loser out of all of it I feel was uh the whole climate change uh, st- uh, story um but uh but at the end of the day I think formula e promotes climate change um really well so yeah I think uh, I I I still think they did a really good job uh with um with what they did but um uh, but yeah obviously there's there's like a few niggling changes so one thing that really annoyed me is that they there's that they decided to alter the calendar in the film they uh, they brought berlin a few races too early but i mean apart from uh, 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 apart from that and the whole Jill Bianchi crash i didn't i didn't really have much to complain about the film but um the overlapping kind of worked but yeah i i think if they focused on one it could have been definitely better I, I saw something on Twitter the other day, actually, just on the uh, Jack mentoring about the Bianchi crash. And uh, I think there definitely should be some kind of warning about kind of the level of upsetting images. You know, they showed Senna's crash in there as well. Um, 
I don't think they really need to show either of them, uh, to be honest. And they showed both, which I think is, uh, which is a, a strange one. I was actually watching a documentary about uh, Le Mans and um, they, were, they kind of talked about to Jan Mardenborough about when he had a crash and one of the spectators ended up dying. And uh, he was just like, absolutely didn't want to talk about it. You know, he was re- clearly visibly really upset and they didn't show any of the footage of it. And I think that was just a much better way of, of going about it. I don't, I don't see the need to, to show those kind of incidents. Um, or, you know, you can, it's, it's important to talk about them and talk about the, the people who are kind of like left behind by it. But I think that there definitely should be some sort of warning if you're going to show that. And I would also just generally veer away from it. If, if I was if I was making those films, yeah, man, it was odd. Like honestly, like I was like, oh my god, they're gonna they're gonna show it, and they showed it because they sort of set themselves up to show it. If that made sense, like you watching that film, you were expecting they were setting themselves up to show that crash, and you like, oh, well, oh you you couldn't believe it, and they did, and oh, it's horrific. But as I said, the problem is is that okay, yes, that was shown in the UK, around the world, that might not be shown. So, you know, it depends on who takes out and, and, and so forth. As I said, in the French film, it wasn't, it wasn't in the film, whereas in the UK version it was. So whatever version you watch the film on, you may see it, you may not see it. Um, but wow, it was a bit horrific to see it. But I think one big winner, Jack, from this film has to be Andre Lara. Like, man, he is a cool dude. Like, don't get me wrong, but he came across as this really, just this cool dude, this guy that you just want to hang out with. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, I, I, I think Andre came out really, really well. He did. He, he did seem pretty cool, and like especially when like Vern, especially when like Vern was down, like you you always saw Lotterer in in kind of the back of shot, and it and yeah, he he came out really well in the entire show. So yeah, uh, I uh, I definitely want Andre Lotterer's phone number. <laughs> come 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 clubbing with us, Andre. <laughs> Um, no, but obviously, I think I think we should pretty much wrap up what with the film there. I think I think we'd all say it's a good film. You know, if you're a former E fan, Fantastic. you're you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, one yeah uh, yeah one thing that I would say is that even if you're not a Formula E fan, I, if if you show this to someone who's not a Formula E fan, I think they'd be more inclined to watch Formula E after this. Yeah, yeah I, I think I agree. Just um, potentially. You know, there are small quibbles, but I think in general, very entertaining, good advert for Formula E. I, I, I definitely recommend it. I'll probably watch it again with some friends who aren't Formula E fans because I enjoy it so much. Yeah. So let's move on to the Race at Home Challenge because we've only, you know, we've been talking for about 20 minutes uh, at least on the film, which probably it deserves. And you probably could talk longer about it, but we've got to talk about the, the finale. That's it now. The last two races of the Race at Home Challenge. And let's focus on the driver race first. Um, we had just had a press conference with Pascal Valen and Lucas Muller from the Sim Race, and we'll get onto what they both said in a second. But obviously, I think it's a two-way fight now, Jack, between you know Van Dorn and Verline. Those are your two championship contenders. There's only one point between them. You've got race Saturday and then double points on Sunday. Um, but Pascal is because of that double points race. He still thinks Maximilian Gunther, who's about now 25 points behind. Um, the, those two, but he still thinks that he's got a chance. Do you think Gunther really, even with double points, has a chance of actually taking the race at home challenge title? I think I, I genuinely do think that there is a chance for him. I think uh, I, I think if he wins the race on Saturday, even if even if say 
Verlin and Van Dorn finished like like around like fifth ish. I, I still think that I still think that um, Max Gunter could go into the double points finale with a strong shot at it. So at the moment, I wouldn't count anyone out. I'm not sure about how the championship standings are right now in terms of the entire grid, but there's 75 points up for offer. Admittedly, you won't see uh, quite a lot of those drivers be anywhere near the points, but um, but I do uh, let alone the podium. But I do think that there are. I do think that the top three. I I, I know that one of them will be champion uh, on Sunday afternoon. I really don't know which one, and I'm not going to count out Gunter for it. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. There is still 75 points to play for. And there are drivers who, you know, will are getting better and better. Look at Oli Rowland, for example, Eduardo Mortara. There are drivers that can really, you know, pull a surprise. But I suppose they pulled that sort of surprise because of the lack of testing. Now the tracks are there. We're going to New York and Berlin. Maybe this will be the cream rises to the top again, which we saw in the first couple of races. Yeah, maybe. But also, I, I guess the fact that you've probably got some people who came into this with literally no sim racing experience and some who've got loads. Like I know Stoffel van Dorn, for example, did a lot of sim racing before this. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, I don't agree with double points in general. I think that we look back to the 2014 F1 world championship. And I think that had double points kind of played a role in that, I think it'd been a bit of a tragedy to be honest, after such a great, battle over the season but in this I suppose because all the drivers weren't necessarily starting on the level playing field maybe double points could be a bit fairer you see these people like Eduardo Mossara or or um, Oli Rowland kind of coming through and getting better so maybe it will just kind of add some spice to it because you know after the first few or three or four rounds it looked like pretty much a foregone conclusion as to who was going to win and you know obviously this is you know racing for charity I think that maybe it could could add some extra spice, but yeah, I I don't necessarily agree with it as a concept, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I suppose they did it on purpose just to make sure that it got to the final weekend of the season, making sure that it will probably go to the final race, which it will um, for double points and anything can happen. We've seen it, Jack, like, Poor old Gunther, like, to be fair, he should be much closer in, in the standings than he is. It's not his fault he's been taken out, especially like last weekend in New York, taken out from second place, just completely punted around. And he had that as well in Berlin. So he's been a bit unlucky. Yes, and it all kind of kicked off in the second Hong Kong race because he'd come off, uh, I think it was, uh, I think he'd had um, three wins in a row. We went to Hong Kong and then... Or, and then just he had an absolute shocker of a weekend. Verline won there and then won again in Monaco. And then uh, and suddenly he, he was absolutely nowhere in the championship. And then obviously Berlin, he got spun around and same in New York. Um, but I, I, think, uh, I, think that, I think that his fight back in New York shows that, um, shows that, um, shows that it's, it is possible, still possible for him to win the championship. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, any one of those top three. Should do it. So let's talk about the grand final for the sim races then, because obviously we, oh, my infamous rant, I suppose. Have you calmed um, down, Jack? Yes, I've calmed down. Um, about obviously finding out that Kevin Sicky, despite having a 53-point lead, will in the standings, basically could still not win the um, Gen 2 drive. He has won the championship, but he won't 
anything ha could happen on Sunday. Basically, Sunday's race should be called the anything could happen race. That's what, instead of the grand finale, because literally anything could. And even Lucas Muller, I asked him, I said, look, if you were in Kevin Sigge's position, you know, you've got 53 point lead, you've won, you've won the championship, but you, there's no guarantee that you're going to, to win. And he said, look, if I was Kevin Sigge, I'd be extremely scared right now because, you know, he's got it all to lose. He's starting from pole on that final and the people who are in second and third, because of the prize on offer, they're not just going to stay behind. They're going to look to attack and attack. And if he gets spun around, despite having that 53-point lead, despite dominating this championship, you know, he, he's going to either effectively, he won't win the ultimate prize of doing the sim competition in Munich in, in December and missing out on driving a Formula E car. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty unfortunate situation, to be honest. And, uh, I think I think in your in your story that we wrote on the uh, Formula E Zone website, um, you actually referenced the fact that you know he was against this pretty much from the start, even though the drivers knew that this would be the case. What what I would like to see potentially is, you know, if he doesn't win, maybe that they could make a space for him anyway, just because of how impressive he's been. I... And I think that if he wins the championship by you know a considerable margin which it will be kind of almost regardless of what happens, you know, he's shown that he more than deserves it. So I'd like to see them make a space for him if he doesn't. And he doesn't. I, I have a feeling Dilbert Gill sent a message. So they showed a message Dilbert Gill to Lucas Muller in the thing. And he said, we have a surprise for you. I'm like, okay, it's a great surprise. You're all going to, you're, you're going to put him in the Mahindra car at some point and let him test the Mahindra car. Like that's his surprise. Like we get it. Um, and obviously Lucas Muller's face lit up like a Cheshire cat which is a very English reference. Um, uh, um, so he's, he was beaming ear to ear um, because he, I think he kind of knew what Dillbag was hinting at. So even if he was to not win, he'd still might get to drive a Formula E car. And I, I get it. I think for someone to dominate a series, I know it caused con controversy in a sense um, that he might, he might miss out, but I yeah, I feel like the person who wins the championship should drive the Formula E car. But anyway, we're running out of time. So, boys, I'm going to give you one name. You have to stick your neck out on the line. I'm going for Pascal Verline to win the Race at Home Challenge. Jack? I'm going to say go to Will, and then, and, and, and then I'll choose the other one. Okay, go to Will then. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Max Gunther. Make it interesting. Then I will go for Stoffel Van Dorn. And so there, there, there we go. One of us will be right on Monday. Uh, I will be amazed if one of us isn't right on Monday. Wow. We're going to look like complete tools if we aren't. <laughs> yes, if we're wrong. Um, thank you so much for watching the show. Obviously, you can catch the Race at Home Challenge on Saturday to find out, and Sunday to find out who wins. Obviously, massive thing I want to say is we have a Patreon page. If you're really loving our content, head over to the Patreon link. It's in the description below. You can just donate from as little as $2. It helps us out massively. Better equipment, better backgrounds, better everything to make you have uh, as much good content as possible. Also, if you want to come and join the chat, hit come the Discord link. We'd love to see you in there as well. You've been watching the FEZ show. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.